Welcome back to A Voice in the Distance Ministries. As we are coming close to the end of the book of Exodus, we're in chapter 35. And, uh, you know, whenever, again, whenever we get close to that, uh, the ending of a book, there's always a sense of bittersweet, but... I like it more sweet because, again, we're moving on to something else. We're moving on to something more, uh, another aspect, another thing of God and how he works. And and so last week was uh, chapter 30, uh, 34. Moses had uh, gotten new tablets from the ones he destroyed before when he came down from the mount to see all of his people there. Basically partying it up. <laughs> they thought that Moses disappeared. And uh, and so they wanted to uh, go ahead and worship something new. So they had a golden calf uh, created for them to worship. And so Moses, out of anger, saw what was going on and destroyed the tablets of stone. Well, in the previous chapter, God rewrote the tablets and, and Moses was able to go back down again. But this time, this time it was different. See, the first time he went down... Or the first time he went down and saw what he was, he had a face of anger. But this time, when he saw God, a little more vision of, of God himself, he was up there on the mountain and asked for God to, to show himself. Well, he couldn't show himself in his full glory. God could not expose his face to Moses because he said it would literally destroy you, it would kill you on earth. You could not handle me in my full glory. So he got to see the back of God as he swooped across the land. And just that alone caused Moses to shine so bright that he was actually blinding the people when he came down from the mount. And and he, he had to put like a cover or, or, or a veil over his face. So the covenant with Israel, which was like that Mosaic covenant is what we called, was renewed. But what we got to see again was another form here of, of who God was. You know, I mean, again, I've I've always said that there's only two people who know you best, and that's you yourself and the one who created you who knows you better than yourself, who is, who is God. And, and so we look at that, and we, we say to ourselves, that how true is that? You know, but God exposed himself. Nobody can say that, you know, oh, I, I know everything about God. You know, and but and God can't say that you know nobody knows Him better. You know, but He He knows Himself better than anybody, and He exposes that through His Word. And, and we've seen that God is compassionate. We've seen that God is merciful. Yes, God also shows anger. Yes, He shows all of those things because He is perfect and holy. But you know, what a better place to discover who God was in this in His self description than in these uh, past few chapters. You know, slow to anger, abounding in love, faithfulness. He, he maintains that love of, uh, you know, the thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 through 7, right? And it is wonderful and exciting to know that God is compassionate and most of all gracious, forgiving, and all of those things we just read off. But on the same note, he doesn't leave the guilty unpunished. And, and he doesn't uh, let just things go. So sometimes it's a little bit of a mystery to us. Well, if God is compassionate and God is merciful, why does He not let the un, you know the the, un, uh, the guilty uh, go you know and stuff like that? Well, the problem is is when the guilty do things and they don't repent in truth, God knows those things. So how can somebody get away with that if they're not truly sorry and if they're not willing to repent to turn from their sin and and to do what is right and to walk with God? That is where His mercy comes in. 
And so it's always best to make sure that we have a perfect, well-rounded picture of who God is. Right? Who God is, his, his, how good he is, how just he is, how fair he is, how holy he is most of all. And so if we insult who he is, if we resist his guidance, if we ignore his direction, then, then we must respond in a manner that is keeping with his holy, just, right, and fair character. He must, if he is true to himself, deal with us right in righteous judgment. And, and, but he'll also deal with us in, in mercy and grace when we are truly sorry and ask for it. So chapter 35, he revisits something again. And so we, we're going to revisit a few things here that, that God's going to remind us on. But again, these are things of, that were of importance. So in chapter uh, 35, verse 1 through 9, it says, Then Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said to them, These are the words which the Lord has commanded you to do. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh day will be a holy day for you, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire throughout your dwellings on the Sabbath day. And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it in an offering to the Lord, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and, and goat's hair. Ram skins dyed red, badger skins, and acacia wood. Oil for the light, and spices for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense. Onyx stones and the stones to be set up in the epod and the breastplate. So once again, God reminds them of the importance of the Sabbath. This was reminded a couple of times in the past. And, and we see why, because the, why the Jewish people take this day so seriously. You know, so serious about what to do and what not to do on the Sabbath. Because now there were different meanings for work in the Hebrew. We had one was your typical work of doing something in whatever form. But then there was another term for conducting business affairs in that other form of work. So you had like, you know, your work, say like, you know, your, your labor, but then there was also other things of business affairs to accumulate your, uh, your money. And they created many rules of what you cannot do in labor terms. But conducting business was another thing. See, doing, doing that took precedence, and, and that was a definite blatant sin on the Sabbath. Because it was seen as more important than worship of God. So that was also another form of work that was looked at. But with that, the Sabbath was reminded first, and then the building of the tabernacle. Now, what is neat to see is that God said, Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring an offering of these items, of gold, silver, purple, and blue items. And, and these were the items of the tabernacle that God was allowing the people to be a part of and also supply the items. Couldn't Now, people would say, couldn't God just speak the word and have a tabernacle just appear to them? Well, sure he could. He could have done that easily, but he chose to use them and allow them to be a part of what he was doing. Now, I've been in some churches that the people got to be a part of the labor process and the building of a church. And it was a blessing for them to do and a gift to God if they did it for him and not just for self-recognition. But this was the original saying that what we got from the New Testament in regards to tithing, it says that God wants a cheerful giver, a hilarious giver. And that means one who gives something with joy rather than reluctantly. 
So whoever the people were that, that willingly gave these materials were unknown on, on biblical record, but were remembered and blessed by God. And I could imagine... I can imagine the wonderful things said and, and the blessings given by God when these willful givers were one day in his presence. See, God called for the ones who were willing. And that section stood out to me very brightly as it said a willing heart because we have to remember that God does what he, what he does by a willing heart. When you have a child that has done well and they ask for something they want within reason you'd most likely be glad to give it to them. And when you do, you are pleased to see their little face light up with joy. So God is joyous when we give in his name. He doesn't need anything because he provides all things. But when we give it to someone or something in his name, his joy is there with us and always when done in the heart. Because true love and desire for him and the things of him is vital because we all want to be loved by someone. Right in, in true love. We want to be loved for who we are, not because of what we do. And remember that loved for, uh, for who we are and not what we do, we love God for who he is. Or strictly what he does for us when, when we have a request. But I pray that, that it's not the case. None of us would want that, neither would he. If, if we were to look at ourselves, we wouldn't want to be uh, in that situation. And, and God's in the, same, in the same situation. We love him for who he is, not just because of what he does for us. Those are the extra gifts he throws in there. But now look at 10 through 19. It says, all who are gifted art, artisans, among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle, its tent, its coverings, its clasps, its boards, its bars, its pillars and sockets. The ark and its poles with the mercy seat and the veil of the covering. Uh, the table and its poles, all the utensils and the showbread. Also the lampstands for the light, its utensils, its lamps and the oil for the light. Uh, the incense altar, its poles, the anointing oil, the sweet incense and the screen for the door at the entrance of the tabernacle. The altar of burnt offering with its bronze uh, uh, grating, its poles, all its utensils, and the laver in its base. The hangings of the court, its pillars, their sockets, and the screen of the, uh, the gate of the court. Uh, the pegs of the tabernacle, the pegs of the court, and their cords. The garments of ministry for ministering in the holy place. The holy garments and Aaron, the priest, and the garments of his sons to minister as priests. Now, I remember hearing once... Um, during a church building project that uh, the announcement was that if you do not possess construction or certain abilities just don't come now God did call for people with particular talents and abilities for this tabernacle now what he thought when it was said if you do not have these abilities do not come I have no idea Right, uh, I have no idea, but if if you followed along in the previous chapter, I titled that, that message "Why God Gives Talents." It, it showed God's ability to give wooden metalworking talents to certain individuals. These men were not gifted in these things until God blessed them right then and there. 
why why he did it was because they were right in their hearts with God. That is why he gave them that particular talent. They were right in their hearts with God. Because some are skilled by watching and learning and practicing. And it is still by the gift of God when, when we develop these skills and talents. But these were wonderful and noble skills. After all, the savior of the world was a carpenter in a very undesirable little town in Israel called Nazareth. But, but once again, I am led to the book of uh, Romans chapter 12 where, where the Apostle Paul states that if someone has the gift of whatever it is, whether it be ter- uh, teaching, serving, prophesying, exhorting, uh, let them do it to the fullest of their ability. Why? Because it is honoring God. When he gives a gift or a talent, it, it was not to be wasted. Uh, after all, in the Gospels, it was brought up in, in the serious nature of its importance. Jesus himself spoke of talents being buried, and and it was not in the form of something good. It's not meant to be buried, but to be used in the glory of the Lord. And we may have developed some family traits or abilities, um, music, art, uh, building things. And we credit our parents or our grandparents. I got this from my mom or dad. And in the truth of it, we can say that we got this from the Lord because he gave us the ability in our family Because, you see, it was customary to train your child in the skill of the parent's craft. If they were not set out to be a teaching rabbi, they were trained in the trade of the father. It was kind of like the family business. Uh, I bring up the Apostle Paul. He was a tent maker by trade. Possibly his father was. But he was sent to a, um, a certain age to train under the top rabbi of his time, placing him as a Pharisee and a top religious leader until he met Christ on the road to Damascus. So when God meets us and gives us a task, he will anoint us for it as, as he did these willing men. You may have heard the saying that It is not always our ability, but our availability. Being available at his calling is what God looks for. See, he gives the ability. There there is always something someone can do for the Lord. And when when it is done in his name, he will recognize it. So as we're hearing this, may we be willing to do whatever he wants. Because I can attest that it is a fulfilling and a great work no matter what it is done. When it is the, uh, for the Lord and his house, everything by him is remembered. Now let's take a look here, verse 20 to 29. A nice little uh, section to read here. <laughs> All of the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing and they brought the Lord's offering from the work of the tabernacle of meeting uh, for all of its service and for the holy garments. They came, both men and women, as many as had a willing heart and brought earrings and nose rings, rings and necklaces, all jewelry of gold, that is every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. And every man uh, with whom was found blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair, red skins of rams, and badger skins brought them. Everyone who offered an offering of silver or bronze brought the Lord's offering, and everyone with whom was found acacia wood uh, for any work of the service brought it. All the women who were gifted artisans spun yarn with their hands and brought what they had spun of blue, purple, and scarlet, and fine linen. And all the women uh, whose hearts stirred with wisdom that spun yarn of goat's hair, the rulers brought onyx stones and the stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. And spi- spices and oil for the light, for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense. 
The children of Israel brought a freewill offering to the Lord, all the, uh, all the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring material for all kinds of work, which the Lord by the hand of Moses had commanded to be done. And when I look at today in our day and age, and I, I see the things that people do in regards to the Lord's work, I, I'm a, I was reminded of this particular verse, you know. Uh, small churches or ministries that I have visited, uh, giving to a cause, and the people, whether they have much or, or not, you know, they contributed to whatever the call was to give in that aspect. Uh, I just recently, I, I had seen a uh, school supply drive with a small church, right? At first there was a box with a few items, and as always, every little bit helps. But after a couple weeks, there was more boxes filled, and it turned out to be a really great drive. And this, this is a different comparison from school supplies to gold and silver uh, for the tabernacle, but it is a comparison to things done from willing hearts to the service of God's kingdom. I heard a quote or a story from a, uh, for a metaphor that Jesus wanted to come to someone's house for dinner the next day. But at some point, someone came to this person and asked for food, and, 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 and some was given. And then the next day, a neighbor came who didn't have anything for her children and begged for help. The, the person said, but Jesus is coming for dinner, and I will have nothing. The lady still pleaded, please, can you help? Out of concern for her and her children, she gave all she had to the ones needing. And she said, I don't have any food. I don't have food for the Lord. What am I going to do? So she goes to the door to go outside and finds a note on the door saying, Thank you so much for dinner. It was a wonderful time seeing you help out my children and feeding them with a willing heart signed to Jesus. (laughs) And God called all people. God called all people. See, it wasn't just the men because we see the women getting involved. In God's kingdom there is no rich or poor. There's no haves and have-nots. There is, there is no too young or too old. And for many years now, we have seen women as a more active role in the church. More women come than men. They get, uh, they get involved more than men even. And we look at Mary Magdalene. She, you know, Mary Magdalene was right there at the tomb of Jesus to do what, what needed to be done for his body as she was the first one that he approached after the resurrection. So, Lord willing, may we see an equal attendance of men and women and children for the Lord. Because, again, look at what was written as, again, willing hearts. People giving what what, uh, they could. And and now look back a little when, uh, look back a little when the exodus out of Egypt began. And they had nothing because they were slaves to Egypt. The Egyptian people gave them parting gifts before they left. Gold, silver, jewelry, clothing, right? Items that they, they, that they did. They did that by, uh, by God putting it in their hearts. The Egyptian people did that by God putting it in their hearts. God put it in the hearts of the Egyptian people. They gave it to them and God was getting it back in His glory. And everyone has the most important part of the building by one aspect. And, and that is by our attendance. If no one is in that, it's an empty place. But if God is in there, or if God is not in there, then it's even truly a more empty place. So may we come together for the worship and love of God, and the sanctuary, right, or the tabernacle, will always be the, bless, the best place that we can be in because His presence is there.
As long as his presence is always there, it will always be filled. But again, he wants all to be there. He wants all his children together, right? 30 to 36 says, And and Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has uh, filled him with the Spirit of God, in wisdom and understanding, and knowledge, and of all, all manner of workmanship, to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of artistic workmanship. And he has put in his heart the ability to teach in him and Aholiab, the son of Aheshemach, of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with the skill to do all manner of work of the engraver and the designer, the ta- tapestry maker in blue, purple, and scarlet thread, in fine linen, and the, the, the weaver, those who do every work and those who design artistic works. And that's the end of chapter 35. So we, we have these two men chosen uh, to be the contractors over the project that God has blessed right then and there with the talents and abilities. So again, you never know what God will have you do and equip you to do. There, there is the book of uh, the book of Nehemiah, and Nehemiah was a Jewish cupbearer to the king of Persia. He was the one who who tasted who tasted the king's wine and tasted his food to make sure it wasn't poisoned. It was a very important, uh, loyal position to be in in that type of thing. And and at that time. It, he had never seen his homeland. Nehemiah had never seen Israel or Jerusalem because he was he was a uh, born in, in uh, Persia in Iran. But he was led to go there and rebuild the broken walls around Jerusalem. God put that in in his heart. Now, what's interesting was is he was not a wall builder by trade, but he was able to have the king supply the material and and develop a crew once they were there. And God called and equipped, and it, and it was the same with the tabernacle. Now, looking closely at, ver, uh, at the verse of these two men who God raised up was uh, fascinating because they were blessed with the ability right then and there. But the gifts of these two also were the gifts of teaching, the, uh, teaching others the actual skill. They were they were trainers. And there was a wonderful wonderful verse in James chapter 1 verse 17 that says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. And this was a very unique ability to build such things. See, I, I love observing wood and metalwork, craftsmanship, especially from the old days, right? Hundreds, thousands of years because they did not have the cutting edge tools of our modern times. But regardless, a gift above is, is a gift to be used, now, I never once seen myself doing this, what I'm doing right now, uh, teaching the Bible. And it is a shock to some, or even many, even, <laughs> uh, even but, but God called me in a, uh, God called me in a fairly early yet late season, depending on some of your ages. Uh, I wish I was doing this much younger. But I pray that God allows me to live long enough to do as much as he will allow. Because time is precious. Time is of the essence. And nothing is worse than wasting time. Or having time taken from someone. But redeeming the time is quality time. And time with the Lord is the best time one can spend. Time with loved ones is precious. 
The time spent together in, in building the tabernacle was good. They accomplished a task of God together. So this is a hopeful encouragement to come together wherever you are to, to do the work of God. And it is a blessing to hear from people that I have never met say that, that we are partners of, in ministry, right? And, and amen to that because some are clear across the country, uh, some from on the other side of the world. And, and that is exactly how God works. Bringing people together to create something in his glory. And when we work in unity, it always comes together. But if we want to know true unity, you become one with him. Because it's not enough to know of him. Because we miss out on so much if we only know of him. Then why would we not want to be one with him? Especially when he wants to be one with you and I. Now, not me, not me some may say. Oh yes, no matter how good or bad you think you are, he wants you. Uh, the worse off, the better. He loves, he loves building in the lives of people. So of course you. He will be the designer of your life. He will decorate you into a new creation. Observe the lives of those that have received him, that have received Christ as their Lord and Savior. Observe their walk. And you know, there are some people out there that have done horrendous things. Whether it be in the Bible. Whether it be our modern day times. It could be some of your friends or family members. And when God got a hold of them. He changed them into a miraculous work. I mentioned Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle was arresting Christians. And he had he even had a, a young man by the name of Stephen murdered. As the first martyr in the Bible. That was done by the allowance of the Apostle Paul, who became one of the most influential authors in the Bible. And we look at other people too, certain kings in the Bible, whether or just, just people in general that God has done a major work on. And whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is that you've, you've done, you can redeem your time by receiving Him. By receiving Him as your Lord and your Savior. And allowing Him to rebuild you. Allowing Him to, re, to, to remodel you, if you will. He wants to do that. But you have to be willing. He will never force Himself into you. You have to invite Him. Because He is a God of invitation. And he was inviting you. Maybe he's inviting you right now to say, you know what, it's time. Right now it is time for you to be with me. I want to come into your life. And by doing that, when he says that it's time for you to be with me in heaven, you're going to be there with him in heaven by doing just that. So if you feel led... If you feel that the, that the Holy Spirit is telling you to go ahead. Go ahead and take his hand because it's going to be the best thing you ever did. And I don't care how bad things are. And to be honest with you, things might be going great. And, and unfortunately, 
when things are going great, sometimes people want nothing to do with the Lord. But I'm telling you, if things are going great and you hear and you're hearing this message and you have not received him as your Lord and Savior, do it anyways because you want to make sure that you are with him when your time is up and this is the way that it is done. This is through the words of Christ himself, not mine. So in a prayer you can receive him as your Lord and Savior, as your Father. So if you feel led, I want you to repeat after me. Dear God, please forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins as I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I ask you to come into my life and to renew me, to make me new. As Lord, as I receive you now as my Father, my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for dying on the cross. I thank you for having me, Lord. As Lord, as I now have you, may we walk together all the days of my life and may I continue to be in love with you in truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Oh, how sweet it is if you've said that. You, by saying that, have just said that I, I want to be a part of the Lord. I want to go to heaven one day. And he's been saying to you that I've been waiting for you. And congratulations and welcome home. And again, it don't matter what you've done. He has the ability to clean it all up. And he buries all of it to be remembered no more. So remember that. And may you take hold of that. And and may you run far with that. Don't let that stop you. God loves you so much. And it has been a blessing on my end to have introduced you to him if you've never heard of him. Or maybe you have. And you walked away. The pleasure is still mine to have helped bring you back in some way, shape, or form. May God bless you and keep you. And may he continue to show you his love, grace, and mercy. God bless you.